If you have your Bibles with you, could you please um, turn again to, um, to Luke's reading? Luke chapter 11. I've entitled this message this morning, um, The Disciples' Prayer. The Disciples' Prayer. I want to tell you this morning that prayer is the vital, the most vital work a Christian can do. Prayer is so, invi- so vital, so important, that even the disciples here turn to Jesus and say, Jesus... We want you to teach us something. We don't want you to teach us how to do miracles, although they're glamorous and wonderful. We don't want you to teach us how to um, raise those who have died, like we have seen you do, although that is amazing and wonderful. Lord, we want you to teach us the most vital thing that a Christian should know and learn. Lord, we want you to teach us how to pray. There's nothing more important. And that should be your request as well. Your request as a church, your request as an individual should be, Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, my my mother taught me the Lord's Prayer as as a youngster. or I've learned how to pray through reading of different books. But Lord, I need to be taught by you how to cry out. I praise God that over the past six weeks or so, so many of you have been crying out and praying for me and my family. And it's been greatly appreciated. But Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ took them up on that. And he said to them, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And so, um, you need to go back seven weeks or so, because I've done my first part of this message a while ago. And so, um, and Jim Hogue said to me, Jerry, don't rush through this. He said to me, prayer is so important, just go slowly through the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm going back to um, the beginning again, because the Lord has shown me um, something more that's in this prayer. So the first thing then um, we want to look at is God as Father. Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father, Now, this is a very strange thing for the people in the day when he was speaking because God was never called Father. God was the almighty Yahweh. He was the great one, the the I am, the Alpha and Omega. He was the the one who is lifted up and the creator of heaven and earth. You don't call him Father, but Jesus said, when you pray, you need to call God Father. Father. And he wanted to get the disciples to understand that God Almighty, the one who is high and lifted up, can be known as Father. And the reason why is because he reaches out to you. And not you reach out to God. Just look at all the other religions. We have I believe it's Hinduism who have a cow as one of their holy animals. And they will bow down and reach out to a cow. We have other religions who have gods that are made out of stone. 
that have eyes but cannot see and ears but cannot hear. And people will bow down and reach out to an idol and pray to an idol and they will reach out to him, to it, should I say. We still have others who have gods of cars or houses or money. And these gods that people make for themselves need to be worked for and reached out to. But Jesus says that you should know the almighty God as father because he reaches out to you and not you reach out to him. That's what he says, God is father. And there's a number number of examples we have in the Bible of God being like that. God reaching out. A number of areas in the Bible that we see that God reaches for a people who he wants to call his own. And Luke chapter 11 gives us three examples of that. And we we go, Luke chapter 15, sorry, give us three examples of that. When you get home, part of your homework could be read chapter 15 of Luke. Because in Luke chapter 15, we see God as a shepherd. And he goes out and he looks for the lost sheep, and he brings the sheep home. We see God as a woman in that chapter, who loses a coin in the house, and she sweeps the whole house, cleans everything, because she's looking for that one coin. But more importantly, and it fits more with our preaching um, this morning, in Luke chapter 15, we see God as a father. And in that story, there's two sons. And some people tend to focus upon the wrong character in the whole story. Some people focus upon the son that takes his inheritance, takes his money, and he goes on a long journey and he spends all his father's inheritance on riotous living. And people focus upon him and they look at him and they see him in the pig's pen. Hungry, destitute, lonely, and they think about him. Others may focus and they may think about his second son, the one who was left at home, the one who is um, hard-hearted and, and arrogant, and he doesn't celebrate when the son comes back. Some people focus upon him, but I'm going to tell you, the whole focus of the whole story is all about the father. The whole story is about the father because the father goes out and he goes out for the son that goes far away. He also goes out to the son that is at home. The father goes out and he stands and he looks and there comes over the hill his son. Broken, beaten up, dirty, dehydrated, hungry, thirsty, in rags, and he comes up from a far country, and his father goes out and meets him. And that is what sin does to men and women in our day. Sin damages, my dear friends. Sin destroys lives. Men and women think they can go out and live and party hard, but actually sin destroys and kills men and women. And this young man has come up from a wild wild living, from a far country. He comes up 
and he's broken. But the Father goes out to him. Not only that, we see the other son. He has no grace. His heart is hard. When he sees the prodigal returns, he says, I'm not going to celebrate. But guess what? The father goes out to him as well. You see, my dear friends, I want to tell you, Jesus wants you to know God as father because he will go out and get you. No matter what has occurred in your life, no matter how broken your life is, no matter how disappointed your life is, no matter how much sin has ravished your life, how much you might dislike yourself, even hate yourself. There's probably people here today who don't even like themselves, wanting to cut themselves with knives or, or hate the very appearance. But I want to tell you, God will go out for you as a father and bring you back home. Sadly, we do have Christians who are hard-hearted. You think, how can they be a Christian? Their hearts are so hard. They've got no grace. But I want to tell you, if you feel that you might be falling in that category, that you're, you're not that, 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 that sympathetic, you're not that loving, so loving as you ought to be, I want to tell you, Jesus says God will plead with you to share in his grace. And so we have God. When you pray... Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father. Why? Because God is a father to you. You can know him as your father. Because he reaches out to you and to me. But not only is he known as a father, the Bible says we need to know God as holy. Because we can get very comfortable with knowing God as Father, and it's wonderful to know him as Father. But before we go too far and say that he's just our Father, we need to remember that in the prayer it says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. You know, both boys in our story disrespected the Father. Both of them disrespected the Father. And today, many fathers, today, have a bad name. Fathers in our society, some of them are absent fathers. Some of them are appalling fathers. In our days, in our day, fathers have a bad name. There used to be a time when fathers were the protector of the family. There used to be a day when the fathers used to provide security for the wife and the children. There used to be a time when fathers had respect because they were hardworking. But today, fathers have lost that respect. In fact, the only useful father in so many circles is as a sperm donor. Someone just to give the child and clear off. Don't want you around anymore. Just give me the child that I need, the child that I want, and you clear off. That is the disrespect what fathers have in our today in society. And to be honest, so many fathers are brought upon themselves. But Jesus says, you are not to treat God like that. 
God is not meant to be a donor who comes and gives you what you want, when you want, as you want, the way you want it, and can clear off. You are not to see God as a donor. No, 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 says the Lord. You are to see God as holy. And why does he say that? Because Jesus knows the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus knows what was going on in heaven. He says himself, I'm the one who was in heaven and I've come down and I will return and I know what goes on in heaven. Well, if I asked you, if I asked Jesus, Jesus, what goes on in heaven? Jesus will turn around and say, is this what goes on? There's angels in heaven and they're calling out to one another and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. In Revelation, we have the same thing. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. God is holy. Let's get that right. God is holy. And the emphasis... Is on his holiness. You know, everyone, you should want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian this morning, your desire should be, fill me with the Holy Spirit, oh God. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is a holy spirit. And when he comes and he fills you, he can give you a strong desire to hate sin. Let me say that again. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and if you are a Christian, a born-again believer, you should cry out, oh God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will give you a hatred for sin. Right now, you may not hate sin so much. You might like a bit of sin. You might think to yourself, well, you know what? I can have it in my life and, and, and I can hide it here and I can hide it there. But I want to tell you, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, He'll give you a hatred for sin. That you will say to God, oh Lord, I'm not perfect now. Oh God, I make so many mistakes. But Lord, I want to do away with sin in my life. I want to be a man who's holy. Why? Because the Bible says, look at this verse in Hebrews, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. Now we're all sitting here today, we all want to see God. But the Holy Spirit, if he comes upon you, and I want to tell you, you need him every single day. I need him every single day. And as you sit here today, you may think that you don't want to be so holy. But when you ask him to come upon you, I'm telling you, my dear friends, he will give you a hatred for sin. And your desire will be, Lord, I want to be holy so that other people might desire you as I desire you. I want to be holy because other people might look at me and want to see you because you said in your word, without it, no one will see the Lord. 
I know what you're thinking. You say, well, this is impossible. This side of heaven, it is impossible. I, I appreciate that. But there must be a yearning. There must be a hungering. There must be a desire. Lord, God, change me. Lord, I don't want to be the same as I was when I first became a Christian five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I don't want to be the same Christian, but Lord, I want to be different. I want to be holy. I want to be filled with your spirit. Why? Because you are holy. And I want to reflect your character. You know, when you pray that prayer, Father, hallowed be your name. You begin to ask God to do something in your life. And the third thing that I'm going to say about this prayer before I close. God as king. You saw God as father, God as holy, but God as king. Because Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. I want your name to be holy. I want you to make me holy. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. You know, when your life begins to reflect the holiness of God, you will begin to want God's kingdom to come in our society. Look around. We live in a very dysfunctional society, don't we? There seems to be more religion around. In fact, Islam seems to be the fastest growing religion in the world today. But even though there's more religion, there seems to be more chaos. There seems to be an increase of humanism and materialism. People want to have more things, have more money, have more cars, and have the power to believe in themselves. As Frank Sinatra said, you know, I did it my way. But even though people have more money, they have more cars, and they do it their way, there's still unhappiness and sorrow in our society. There seems to be more freedom sexually. Seem to be everyone can do what you want sexually. There's no, there's no barriers anymore. There used to be barriers, there used to be guidelines, but now all the barriers and guidelines are down and, and you can have multiple partners, you can have the same sex couples, you can do what you want in our society and if you do it, you'll be more happier, we are told. But we're not happier. It's still dysfunctional. Maybe legalizing drugs. America's done it. Legalize certain drugs. Maybe we can legalize drugs. Maybe we can allow alcohol to flow like a river. Maybe we can tell young people to party hard. Go and live it up. Let your hair down. Be a wild animal. Surely that will make society better. But sadly, it hasn't. And when you look at the society... And you bow your head in prayer. And you know that God is Father. That he loves you. You know that God is holy. And so you pray that his Holy Spirit will come upon you to make you holy as well. 
you will begin to start praying to God, Lord, I want to change in my society. Lord, I'm fed up with the sin that I see. I'm fed up with the violence. I'm fed up with young people shooting and killing one another. I'm fed up with the drugs and the alcohol. I'm fed up with the the society in which I live. Lord God Almighty, I pray that your kingdom will come. The question is, what does God's kingdom look like? Well, Paul tells us in two readings, he says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God's kingdom, I want you to hear me here, has the power to change situations, has the power to change lives. The kingdom of God is not about talking. Unfortunately, when we look back in the church history, all we hear, all we see is talking, talking, talking. But we want to cry out to God, Lord, we want to see your power coming into the church. We want to see spiritual, dynamic power coming into the church where lives are transformed and lives are changed and men are delivered from the the, the hold of the darkness of the enemy and are set free. Lord, we want to see power coming in the church. That's what it means when you pray your kingdom come. See, we just pray that prayer and we just fly over it. But no, when you say, God, your kingdom come, bring in the king. Bring in his reign, bring in his power, bring in his sovereignty. Allow him to reign. And I want to tell you, this church needs to have him as king and king only. That's what he needs. For when he is king, we will see his reign and his power being displayed. But also, look what he says. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of just eating and drinking. Drinking and eating and drinking is fine, but it's not about that. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace and joy. Wherein? In the Holy Spirit. That's who we need. That is who we need to desire. We need to desire more of the Spirit of God to be in this house. Your prayer should be, Lord, not only fill me, but fill this church. Lord, not only do a work in me, but do a work in the men and women in this house. If every single one of you begin to pray sincerely, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God will have come into your life. That is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's a kingdom of power. So so when you pray, we will say the Lord's Prayer in a few minutes' time, a few moments' time, we'll say it together. But when we pray, we all know the prayer. Some of us know it off heart. We've been saying it for years. But we don't really know it. Because do you know God as Father in your life? Do you know him? For he's the one who reaches out to you. 
You may never ever reach out to him. You may turn your back on him, go your own way. But as father, he goes out. He reaches out to you. Jesus says, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. And only that, we need to know something of holiness, church. You know, the church is becoming too much like the world. The world does one thing, the church does exactly the same. The world enjoys one thing, the church enjoys exactly the same. The church is becoming so much like the world. We are meant to be different than the world. Me and Tom was together this week, and as we was praying, he said to me, you know, Jerry, I used to walk around, and every time I saw a skip, I used to look in the skip to see what's in there. I thought I used to do that too, actually. You never know what's worth salvaging in a skip. But you come to understand that the world is a skip. There's nothing good inside it at all. And the church doesn't need to be looking into the world to see what it can salvage out of the world. No, the church needs to look into the kingdom of God. And there's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is where the church needs to be. Unfortunately, so much like the world. But not only that, let's pray that God's kingdom will come. May the God's kingdom come in your home. Maybe you're the only Christian in your household. Maybe when you pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Maybe you can pray, Lord, let your kingdom come in my house. Let your rule be here. Some of you go to difficult places at work. And you're the only Christian at work and, and there's this hard, a hard situation. You need to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come in the place where I work. That you might be honored and glorified, that your Holy Spirit will be there. When I'm in, in there, when I walk in, may your spirit walk in with me. Some of you might be the only Christian in your university, college, school. You need to pray, oh God Almighty. I want your kingdom to come in my school. I want when my friends see me, they don't see another person they can gossip with. Another person who will swear and curse. But they will see someone else who's carrying the spirit of God upon them. Your kingdom come. Shall we all stand? Let's stand.